everybody. Good morning. Welcome to High Desert Word Center Sunday morning. How are we doing today? Yes, praise the Lord. We're going to have a great time in the house of the Lord. You picked an awesome day to be at church together. Amen. Uh, we got some new speakers and stuff going on here, and uh, we've invested a lot into the sound system over the last year. The sound panels, we got new speakers coming in, and so the sound may be a little bit different today, but praise God, it's getting better and better, and we're really thankful that Jesus has provided. Amen. All right, let's stand up together. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America because we are standing in the gap and praying for revival. And we believe that America's coming to Jesus. No matter what it looks like, we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Amen. All right, let's speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, Justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise together today. All right. Well, Pastor and Mrs. Pastor, Mom and Dad, they're in Georgia today with one of my brothers, and they'll be in New York next week with one of my other brothers, but they're watching online, and they send their love to everybody, all right? What we're going to do now is we're going to take a few minutes to do our meet and greet time because I know you came to church today for a hug, didn't you? Come on, you wanted a hug. So Nick needs a hug. Someone hug that man, all right? What we're going to do is take a few minutes here, go around, greet each other, shake some hands, give some fist bumps, some hugs, whatever you want to do, but make sure that everybody feels loved. Let's go. It's always like springtime with you, I'm making all things new. Your light is breaking through the dark. This love, it is sweeter than wine, I'm bringing joy, bringing life. Your hope is rising like the dawn. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. It's always like springtime with you. Making all light is breaking through the dark. This love, it is sweeter than wine. I'm bringing joy, bringing life. Your hope is rising like the dawn. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make 
Lord. You can be seated. You guys are so respectful. So nice. Well, happy Sunday morning. Praise God we're all here and free to be here. That's such a wonderful thing. Um, you guys have listened to me talk for a really long time in your life. And so we decided to start doing video announcements again. <laughs> so you don't have to hear me talk so much. So we have video announcements this morning. It's our first run. So don't be judgmental, okay? So here we go. Ready to roll? What's up, my peeps? Okay, so Sunday, April 10th, we get ready to welcome missionaries Dana and Liz Nile. Niles have been missionaries all over the world, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, India, South America, and several other countries. Let's get ready to welcome say hello. Men, make some noise. Because Saturday, April 2nd, is our monthly men's meeting. Join us at 9 a.m. in Victory Hall for some breakfast, fellowship, and some Easter Sunday is coming up, April 17th. Come join us and bring your family and friends. We'll be having a children's performance, Easter egg hunt, and a family photo booth. Let's celebrate that Jesus is alive. We've got another women's meeting coming up Friday, April 8th at 6.30. And we'll be joined with none other than Liz Nile. Hope to see you there. Oh, hi there. <laughs> Didn't see that. So, March 27th, Sunday morning service is baby dedication. If you have a baby or you find a baby, bring them in March 27th and we'll do our baby dedications. Please join us. Oh, hello there. I'm Greg Ross. I have a happy little announcement to make about Family Art Night on Monday, March 14th at 6.30 p.m. Bring your own paper and canvas, and we'll provide the brushes and the paint. You can make all the happy little trees you want. I made this happy little cross. Hope to see you there. God bless. Okay, that was way more fun than me. Thank you, Greg Ross, for, yes. That was wonderful. So in case you missed it, Monday night is art night, um, family art night. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter if you even have a, a, a family with you. Just come, and we'll hang out and paint together. It'll be fun. Um, so come tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night. It's tomorrow night because today's Sunday. Praise the Lord. Okay. So tomorrow night, art night in Victory Hall. So 6.30. Thank you. 6.30. Um, also, tonight is the second night of our intentional parenting class. Um, it's okay if you didn't come to the first one. Come to the second one, okay? Come and check it out. They're having a great, great time. Child care is in Victory Hall, the building behind here. And we will be in there at 4.30. 4, 3.30. I'll be here at 3.30. Bring your kids early so you are not late to your class. 3.30, I will be in there. And Miss Cindy will be in there with me, and we will take all your kids so you can go enjoy the class. And don't forget, baby dedications are March 27th. So baby dedications are a really special part of what we do as parents. Um, we 
don't sprinkle here or baptize here because we want them to be able to make that spiritual choice for themselves. But when we dedicate our children to the Lord, we're making a promise to raise them in the ways of God. And that is really special and important. So if you haven't done that with your kids yet, I don't want you to think because they're not a baby that you can't do that. We have some teenagers being dedicated because our family just came to the Lord. So if you would like to do that, sign up at the info booth and we'll make sure that you and your family get to do that as well. Or if you have a brand new baby, like baby Grace, uh, we'll do baby dedication when they're a baby or when they're a teenager. Praise the Lord. If you are with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, and you're comfortable waving at me like I'm crazy, go ahead and wave like you're crazy too. Welcome to church. We love you. Okay. Uh, Melissa here has something that she wants to bless you with. And um, after service, you have a card. Turn that card in to the info booth and we have a gift for you after service. All right. Well, now it is happy time. Amen. All right. It is happy time. And that's what we call our tithes and offerings around here because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And I'm like, hey, if God loves a cheerful giver, I want to be a cheerful giver. Right. Amen. If you well, first of all, we've talked about this on uh, Wednesday night. We're going to be taking up our regular tithes and offerings, plus a special additional offering today for uh, Franklin Graham, which is Billy Graham's son. He has a charitable organization called Samaritan's Purse. And they are doing, they are doing a lot of work literally in Ukraine right now. And I'm going to give you an update on that in a minute, but they need some financial help. They are on the ground in the war zone, uh, setting up a, a, a hospital and giving out food, uh, to all these people that are being bombed and stuff. And so, uh, we're going to be taking up an offering here at church today so we can send it directly to them and they can, uh, and they can use it right there on the ground in Ukraine. And of course, if you wanted to just give straight to their organization, that's fine. I'll give you that information too. All right. But we'll get to that in just a minute. If you need an envelope today for your regular tithes and offerings or for the special offering for Ukraine, you can raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. Amen. We're going to open up our Bibles to Malachi chapter three today. Malachi three. And man, this is a prime time to be uh, a doer of God's word and to be standing on his promises for every area of our lives. And so I'm going to be in Malachi 3, starting at verse 10 in the NLT. Malachi 3, starting at verse 10 in the NLT. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. And, um, and praise God, here we go. Let's read a few verses here. Malachi 3 and verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And so what's it talking about? Well, the temple in 2022, we would call that the church, right? And the food, this is talking about provision for God's house. And it says here, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, that's some strong language from God right there. He says, if you'll obey me with your finances right here, I will open up the windows of heaven. I will bless you in such a big way that you I mean, you're going to you got to see it to believe it almost. And he says right here to put me to the test. 
God's basically saying, I dare you to do it. I dare you to obey me in this and watch what I will do for you. Verse 11, it says, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. And you may be like, well, I don't have any crops. Well, guess what? You've got your finances, right? And, and in our day and age, we operate more on a, on a, a monetary a system of uh, economy. But back then, it was a lot more of your, uh, your grains and your, your, your produce from your fields. It says, your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But check it out. Here's what I'm getting to. Verse 12. Then all nations will call you blessed. Wouldn't it be great if all nations were calling the Christians blessed? Like, man, instead of saying, man, I feel bad for them. They're just worse off than anybody else. They're always at the bottom of the barrel. No, that's not the will of God. He says, when we obey him, all nations will call us blessed. For your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And so I'm encouraging us today that as we're tithing and as we're bringing in offerings, that the Lord is opening up the windows of heaven on your life. And if there's ever been a time that you wanted to have the open windows of heaven pouring out blessing upon you, it's right now in the day and age that we live in. And so I'm encouraging you today, if you're a tither, if you're a giver, God's got your back. You don't need to lay awake at night thinking, man, I hope gas doesn't go up anymore. I hope this doesn't go up anymore. No, God's got your back and he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Let's say amen today. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, let's, uh, what I want to do now, as I was talking about a minute ago, is I want to play a little video clip of, of the, from the Samaritan's Purse. Again, Franklin Graham, which is Billy Graham's son, is in charge of this organization. They are an incredible uh, charitable Christian organization. They've got a four-star rating from all the uh, organizations that monitor nonprofits and charities. I mean, they're getting the money to the people. And that's important to me because sometimes you make a donation to some organization and you find out that 80% of their income goes to salary and stuff like that. But no, it's not that way with these guys. They are getting the money where it needs to go. So anyway, I'm going to play a quick little video clip so you know a little bit of what they're doing and then we'll receive our offering for them. Let's Let's go ahead. Medical supplies and workers left Greensboro this morning, headed to Ukraine. The nonprofit sent another cargo plane to help war refugees in need of medical attention in and around Ukraine. Right now, volunteers are helping to set up a mobile hospital in the western part of Ukraine near Poland. That's these photos here. The hospital can hold nearly 100 patients. They're describing just a sea of people having to flee the country, seeking refuge in the surrounding uh, countries, and just the shock and the uncertainty in the people that are leaving. And so what Samaritan's Purse is trying to do right now is to try to provide spiritual and physical aid to those that are suffering because of the crisis. And volunteers hope to complete construction on the hospital this week. In addition, a disaster response team working to set up a triage center outside the train station. This will be able to help treat women having to deliver their babies coming off the trains and people fleeing Ukraine who may be injured. Wow. Mm. All right. So that video was just from a few, uh, well, from about a week ago. And um, so I, I checked this morning, all the planes that they sent over there have la they landed in Poland and then crossed the border and they're on the ground right there. I mean, just they've got their hospital set up. All right. So praise God for that. And uh, and I think they said they're able to do 24 major surgeries a day, like people that have just been nailed with bullets and bombs. And then they're able to do uh, even more minor surgeries per day, but they can they can hold up.
up to 100 patients at a time. They're delivering babies. They're doing all sorts of stuff. And they're most important, they're giving people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we believe in this and we want to help out with it. So if you're giving towards this, uh, the Samaritan's Purse, uh, of course, you can do it online. I would probably put it in the missions tab. Katie, is that right? Okay. And then um, if you're going to give uh, on your envelope, uh, go ahead and, and you could write. I was going to tell everybody to write Ukraine. And my wife said, well, some people don't know how to write Ukraine. So you could just write Samaritan's Purse or SP, and we'll know what that's going to. Just put SP, all right? And then we'll know uh, where to put those finances, and we will get it directly over to them this week. And we're doing our part to help out. Amen. Isn't that great uh, to do our part to help out with something so far away? Amen. All right. Well, let's stand up together today. We are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And then uh, we're going to get into an awesome time of praise and worship and get into the word of God today. You picked a great day to be at the house of God. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 tells us that our old self has been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus lives inside of us now. So as we make our way to the altar to sing this morning, we're going to sing about that very verse, Galatians 2.20. So let's sing. Arise my soul and remember this. He took my sin. He buried it, no longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. No, I won't boast. But in the cross that saved my soul, all else is lost. The grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Sing, I won't boast. No, I won't boast, but in the cross that saved my soul. All else is lost. The grip of fear has 
has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light.
Don't you 
I just want to encourage you today, man. We're singing about these miracles and all the things that we've seen. I think oftentimes we fall into a trap of thinking, yeah, that was good back then. Or, yeah, you know, that did happen for, you know, this guy or for this girl. But you need to realize that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't change. There's no point in time that Jesus changed. He's doing what he's always done. He's bringing peace. He's bringing joy. He's restoring you if you'll let him. He's bringing healing to you. He will deliver you if you're addicted. Jesus did not change. And you've got to get that through your mind. Yeah, well, I know, but this is a big thing I'm dealing with. For with God, all things are possible. Luke 137. It is not impossible with God, but we've got to keep that in mind and realize, man, there's some things you're not going to be able to figure out on your own. You just got to put it in the Lord's hands and trust him and believe that with God, all things are possible and never, ever, ever forget that. Amen. Let's just give the Lord some praise together today. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you are the same. You never change, Lord. We thank you for your wonder-working power in this church today. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Amen. You can make your way to your seats there. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you can tell the presence of the Lord's here, and he wants to speak to you today. The Lord wants to get your attention if you'll listen to his Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to be going through the word of God. And, and you know, I'm just like to remind you, like, hey, I've got nothing good to say, but I do know the Bible. Amen. And so because of that, we'll just stick to the Bible and not what I know and not what I understand. And we're going to learn some stuff together. Praise God. Uh, if you didn't get an outline for the sermon when you were on your way in here, if you raise your hand, the ushers will get you one that will kind of help you follow along with what we're doing here. Amen. And so what we're doing today is I'm going to tag on to what uh, we started last week. And it's a sermon called Not the Time. And what we're dealing with and looking at is uh, undeniably uh, this 
phase of history that we live in is what the Bible would refer to as the end times. And, uh, and we've got lots of proof for that. And, you know, I, I'll show some of that today once again. But I, I was praying about a lot of this stuff a couple weeks ago. And, you know, our focus is families at High Desert Word Center. We want to help your marriage, your children, your grandma, your grandpa. We want to be here and uh, to restore families. And so that's our, our main target and focus. And, and that's why we've got the, even the parenting class tonight and everything like that. It's what we do. Um, and I do know, though, that the Lord's definitely speaking to me about we need to address some of this end time stuff because, I mean, I'm getting questions every day. You know, hey, Pastor Dave, what, what, what does this mean over here and what's this? And I don't pretend to know it all because I, I certainly don't. I mean, I, 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 nobody knows it all. But, again, I, I at least know to read my Bible. That's what I have for you. I at least know to open the Bible and the answers are found in here. And so that's what we're going to do today. But I was, I was praying a couple weeks ago and, and I just kept hearing, you know, like not the time. And I'm like, where have I heard not the time before Then I'm like, Oh yeah, my mom used to say that to me all the time when I was a kid. And then I got married and my wife says it to me. It's not the time for that right now. Okay. And so, Hey honey, can you uh, iron these? It's not the time, you know, or, you know, anyway, you, you get what I'm saying, especially you men, you've probably heard that more than, you know, the ladies have. So, Amen. You know what I'm All right. Thank you. I need some help, men. All right. So, uh, but I see a lot going on in this world. And, and, you know, I'm like, dude, can't you see the signs? Can't you see what's going on right now? Why would we be over here messing around with this? Why would we be over here doing this when there's red flags being waved right in front of our face from the Bible? It is not the time to be doing some of these things or getting distracted or, or, or as last week we talked about, not the time to be a lukewarm Christian. Well, what's a lukewarm Christian? Well, that's a Christian that's just, they're not committed. You know, they, they, they like the feeling that Jesus gives them. They like to, you know, get the, get the positive vibes, right? And the warm fuzzies and all this fun stuff. But when it comes down to it, they're not really that committed. It's not that hard to distract them. And, you know, Remember the State Farm commercial where he's got a dollar bill on a fishing pole and that guy's chasing it like, you know, it, you just wave a wave a hundred dollar bill over here and, you know, they'll, they'll book that way. And and so it's not the time for that stuff. And um, uh, you can just mark this down. But Daniel chapter 11, uh, we looked at some of that last week. It, uh, Daniel prophesied a lot about the end times. And he uh, in Daniel 11, uh, he he kept referring to this king of the north that was going to invade the surrounding countries and eventually team up with what they refer to there as Persia, that would be modern-day Iran, right? And so it says that they're going to uh, team up and eventually, you know, come at Israel. And so I, that that will happen. Uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not stupid enough to say a date or a time. I just know that the Bible says it would happen. And so uh, what we see a lot of going right, right now in Europe, I believe, Personally, you know, you can disagree with me, but I do believe that it's a fulfillment of Daniel chapter 11 because this king of the north, I've heard for decades that this refers to Russia. Because if you were to look on a map to the north of Israel, right up there, the far north is Russia. And so uh, that's what that's what this would be referring to. And and so we're seeing a lot of this activity. And I remember, you know, uh, I, I was born in the 80s, but I, I had heard all these things about the, the Soviet Union and all this. I'm like, I, I mean, I don't remember a lot of that. I just remember, uh, you know, growing up in the 90s and stuff that there was still a little bit of, 
you know, fear of Russia. And then uh, as I got older, it kind of fell off, you know, no one talked about it anymore. But I kept thinking, like, I know what this scripture is referring to. And, and then people, you know, scoffers and mockers and haters would be like, man, all, you know, all the Bible teachers were wrong. See, Russia's nothing. The 80s called, they want their policy, you know, they want their foreign policy back. And, uh, and so anyway, I just, I just, I, I, I knew that this is what this is referring to. And so anyway, I believe that's what's happening right now. And then another reference for you would be Ezekiel 38, where it talks about this same country and uh, it's referred to as Magog and uh, in the scripture and it refers to several cities in there in different areas that are, are currently cities in Russia, such as Moscow. And, um, and uh, it refers to a man named Gog, which would be the, the leader of Magog. And so at this point, Gog of Magog would be Putin. I mean, who knows, you know, maybe he'll, you know, die or something and it would, someone else would fulfill that and be into that. But anyway, it's, it, there's some real stuff going on is what I'm trying to say. And I have an urgency within me to wake up sleeping Christians and say, smack, smack, look alive. Don't be asleep right now. It's getting real, brother. It's getting real, sister. And this is not the time to wander off and, and be playing games and, and, and doodling in the backyard. This is the time to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ because the Scripture says the same way he went up is the same way he's coming back. And there will come a point in time when he comes back for his church, which is all the born-again Christians, and we will literally see him in the sky. We will hear the sound of the trumpet, and we will leave this earth, and we will be in heaven. That day is coming. Uh, Well, I've heard that a long time. Oh, so have I, and I'm getting more excited by the minute. I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm excited. This thing is, we can be out of here real soon. And you're like, well, I don't want to leave. I want to go to heaven, brother. I want to get to heaven, sister. It is my home. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through, right? My real home is in heaven, and I can't wait to get there, to be with Jesus, to see him face to face, to walk on streets of gold, to have the mansion he's talked about, to be with him forever, to meet up with my grandma and my grandpa again, and my cousins and the people that have gone on before me. There's a reunion coming, and I I am ready for it. Amen. All right. Let's look here today. Uh, We're going to look in our Bibles to start off with at Matthew chapter 24. Last week we looked at Luke uh, 21, which is a a parallel passage to this. And just so you know, Mark chapter 13 is also uh, a connecting passage with it. And uh, the the four Gospels, uh, well, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, again, I, I said this the other day, but they pretty much tell the same stories as each other, right? And uh, they pretty much have the same content just from different people that witnessed it from different angles. So you see a lot of the exact same stories. And so this passage is, uh, this Matthew 24 is the, uh, very similar. Uh, it's the same stories as Luke 21 and Mark chapter 13. So last week we looked at it in Luke 21. This week we're looking in Matthew 24 because he he uh, grabs a few things that uh, Luke didn't write down. So Matthew 24, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 14. And again, this is what's going on here. This is it's called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus and the disciples were walking the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is like, "Hey boys, you see that temple right there? One of these days it's going to be demolished. Not one stone standing on top of each other." And the disciples were like. Mind blown. 
What's going on here? There is no way that that temple that took all those years and, and uh, to build, it's the most, it's the most, it's the pride of all of Israel. There's no way that would ever be demolished. And they say, Jesus, tell us some signs. And, and then, then they say something key. They say, what will be the signs of the, of the end of the world? And so Jesus goes in to this long thing and tells you all these things that were happening that, that will happen at the end of the world. There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be crazy weather. There's going to be racial fighting. There's going to be, and he goes on to all these things. There's going to be plagues and epidemics. And I'm like, man, I, hey, yeah, check. I've seen that. We've all seen it now. And it's no surprise because Jesus said it would happen. And, and then he said that that that. Fear would be so powerful that it would grip people's hearts. And I'm like, I have seen more fear in the last 24 months than I thought imaginable. Fear is a powerful thing. And Jesus said, oh, there's going to be fear like you've never seen before. And so we've seen all these things. But here's just some more of what Jesus said uh, through Matthew. So Matthew 24, uh, we'll look at a few verses throughout it. Uh, verses 9 through 14 to start off with. Jesus said, hey, then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. Oh, don't say that. And you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And, you know, maybe you don't see a lot of that right now and, and uh, where we live and, what, and whatnot. But there are parts of the world, believe me, where, uh, hey, you, you go down the street and say, I'm a Christian, you're, you're dead meat, right? And uh, unfortunately, we see even in, like in Afghanistan and stuff where a bunch of them got abandoned. And, and uh, I'm sure that there's... You know, not good things happening over there. But look at this. He said, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Wow. This is talking about people that had claimed to be Christians. They'll turn away, betray, and hate each other. And, man, there's some hate out there from people that say they're Christians. I've got a story I'll share someday that happened to me a couple weeks ago. But, man, I stood up for Jesus, for the Bible. Whoa! I received some hate. That I, from 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 peace-loving, tolerant Christians that just, I mean, about wanted to take my house down. And I'm like, dear God, all I did was say, hey, the Bible says this, and it about killed me. But listen, Jesus said it was going to happen. Then he said, and many false prophets will appear. And you'd think, yeah, everyone will know it's a false prophet. No one will listen. But no, it says, no, they'll deceive many people. There's people that will listen to this junk. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Check it out. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. And so we, we read that, and you're like, yeah, praise God, to be preached throughout the whole world. And uh, you don't get it that most people that he was talking to right here, they had never been farther than 30 or 40 miles from the spot they were born in. And so, you know, that would be like saying, you know, hey, I'll tell you what, uh, the, the gospel he preached all the way from California to Texas. And, and back in the day, that seemed like, wow, that's a really big area. I mean, are you sure about that? And right now, but that doesn't seem like a big deal at all. I mean, I could go get on an airplane and be there by lunchtime. <laughs> That's how far advanced we are right now. But when Jesus said, this good news, the gospel, will be preached throughout the whole world, they're like, the whole world? I mean, that, how is that even possible? And uh, 
really, we live in the first day and age where that's possible, right? Through the technology, through the traveling advances, through everything. I mean, we are probably the first generation where it's really possible that the good news has been preached to every spot on the planet. And that's an incredible thing to think about. And Jesus said, hey, and then the end will come. Let's look down here at verses 37 through 42. Again, I, I encourage you, you could read this whole thing on your own time, but I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing to us today. Look at verses 37 through 42. And so Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man returns. And so, again, what was it like in Noah's day? Well, people were partying. People were having a good time. They were just going about life as usual. And there's this crazy old preacher that was saying, hey, guys, you better listen to me. Something bad's getting ready to happen. They're like, oh, my gosh, that guy, shut up, Noah. You're crazy. No, there's a flood coming. And the scripture tells us up until this point, it had actually never rained. The earth was watered from uh, water coming up from the ground. But he's like, guys, check it out. I know this sounds crazy. Water is going to fall out of the sky. And they're like, no, that, no, that would never happen. Uh-uh. And so, and, and, and it sounded like a wild thing. He's like, no, I'm, I am serious. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to build this great big wooden thing that wood floats. We're going to get into it, and everybody in there is going to be safe. And they're like, man, shut up. They made fun of him. They mocked him. They scoffed him, and don't listen to the crazy old guy. But then it wasn't so funny when the day came. Genesis says that all of a sudden it started raining. Water came from the sky, and the water started coming from the ground. It was coming from both angles, and it got so high that it was higher than the highest peak on earth. I think it says 29 feet or something over the highest point on earth. But that what is that? We know it as Mount Everest. That's 29,029 feet tall. That's a lot of water right there. And so everybody thought it was all a joke and thought he was crazy and it would never happen. And then the day came and God shut the door. And once God shuts the door, then it can be too late. And I know for us, you know, man, if I shut the door, you could probably get right through it. But if God is the one like, no, I, I, I warned them. I gave them time. They made, fun of, they made fun of the people that I sent to talk about it. They thought it was all a joke. But when God shuts the door, boom, that's when, you know, the flood comes. And so what are we doing? We're trying to get people's attention right now and say, hey, get in the boat. There's a flood coming. You got to get in here. And Jesus said, it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. Look at this here. This next verse, it says, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. And then Luke's gospel, I think, or maybe it's Mark's records, two people will be asleep in bed. One is left, the other goes. And it just goes on and on. And then in Matthew 25, which we might talk about, uh, it talks about there's these 10, uh, the King James says virgins, these 10 uh, brides that are waiting for the groom to come. And five of them were ready, five were not. And so what is that? Five go, five stay. And what we keep seeing here is about a 50% ratio. One goes, one stays. One goes, one stays. Five leave, 
five stay behind. And then on the cross, what about these two men beside Jesus? One makes fun of it. One mocks Jesus, and another says, there's no way. You, this man's the son of God. I deserve to be hanging here dying. This is a good man. He does it. Jesus, would you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And Jesus says, I, this guy has been a scumbag. You've got to know that. He's, he's not dying on a cross because he was just some good dude. This guy deserved this. And Jesus says, today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. One goes, one doesn't make it. And so we keep seeing, and I'm not reading too much into this, but could it be possible that like 50% go, 50% that think they're just all fine and dandy don't actually go? I don't know. But I know this much, whatever percentage is that goes, I want to be in that percentage, right? And so this is not the time to be doing business as usual, not the time to be ignoring all of the red flags in front of us. And so I said it last week, I'm going to say it again today. The end times is not that complicated, it's simple. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, right? <laughs> and so I'm not out there, I don't want out there being stupid. I want to say, you know what? I don't understand it all, but praise God, I know this much. I'm sticking closer to Jesus than I ever have before. There's no money you can dangle out there and say, hey, you know, no, come over here. Come over here. No, I don't need it. I'm going to be in God's house with God's people, reading God's word, singing God's praises until the day that I hear that trumpet. And Jesus says, let's go. You guys are out of there. Amen. I'm excited about this. But there is some truth that there are some things that I'll address here that, that Jesus talked about that I believe it's just pertinent. For us to hear. And I'm looking at the crowd here and I'm like, oh man, this is all the dedicated people. Why, you know, why couldn't we have any of the, you guys know a lot of this stuff. You're here and you're serving Jesus and I'm proud of you and you're doing a great job. So give yourselves a nice little pat on the back, right? I'm not saying you're perfect, but you're doing a great job. You're here in God's house. And, uh, and I, you know, there's just a lot of people that need to hear uh, this message. And so I, I pray they do. But let's go ahead and we're going to open in prayer. Then I'm going to tackle a few things that I would say, hey, it is not the time to be doing that. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you that you were kind enough to uh, write out in your book what it is we could expect to see at the end of the world. You are kind enough to tell us what we should do to avoid a lot of the things coming into this world. And Lord, I pray that we would listen to you today. We would have open hearts, open minds, and be willing to receive what it is you're telling us, Lord. Even if, if, even if it rubs us the wrong way, maybe we need rubbed the wrong way a little bit. Maybe we need roughed up just a bit so we could say, you know what, I, I needed to hear the truth. So Lord, Speak to us today and have your way in here in the name of Jesus. Can someone say amen? All right, so we're going to say this. Number one, not the time to be offended. It is not the time to be offended. And I feel like I've, I don't know why, but I've talked about this topic more in the last 12 months than I really, than I ever have. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but it just keeps coming up over and over again. And what I'm going to say here is in Matthew 24, verse 10, I'm going to read it in the New King James here. But why would we talk about offense? Well, because it's one of the key signs that Jesus said was going to happen at the end of the world. And, and so, well, let's read this and then we'll, we'll discuss further. Matthew 24, verse 10, New King James, it says, And then many will be what? Offended. 
They'll betray one another and will eventually, they will hate one another. And so Jesus told us that at the end of the world, you are going to see many. Well, what, is, what does many mean? That means a lot. There's going to be a lot of offended people. And I can't help but notice that there are more offended people in the day that we live in than I've ever seen before in my life. You can't say anything without somebody, man, that, that offends me. So because you hurt me, because you offended me, we need you to lose your job. We need you to lose your family. We need you to lose your, your money. We need to cancel everything that you've ever worked for in your life because you said one thing that I didn't agree with that offends me. You deserve to die. Like, what? what? Well, that seems so far-fetched, but he says they'll be offended, they'll betray one another, and they will hate one another. It's like a progression right here that we see. And I'm determined that I am not going to lose out. I am not going to sit there and, and, and wither away in offense and, and just be so so upset and, and, and foggy-minded and unfocused and, 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 and tore up all the time because somebody offended me. People say offensive things that I don't agree with every day. Right? I mean, come on. People say stupid, mean things every single day. But I can choose to not let that trip me up, and I can choose to, to not let that steal me away from reading the Bible and, and, and steal me away from, from following God. But if I'm more focused on how much I hate your guts uh, over how much I love Jesus, I'm going to be tripping all over the place. It's a serious thing right here. You can just put this on the screen, but Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision, but your faith which worketh by love. Now, this is key as a Christian for you to know. Your faith works by love. How do your prayers get answered? Well, the power of God, but by faith. If your faith is shipwrecked, if your faith doesn't even work anymore because you're so angry and mad and bitter and tore up all the time, your faith is not going to work. Your prayers are not going to get answered, and you're certainly not going to be obeying the scripture that you need to obey. This is dynamic and a major key to you thriving and succeeding in the end times. Your faith works by love. And, and, and I've learned this out of, you know, my, my wise wisdom of all my years, that there are two types of offense. There's those that are justifiable, like, yeah, you deserve to be ticked off and offended. And then there's those that are unjustifiable. You're just, let's be honest, being a little bit of a sissy, right? You're just kind of took it a little bit too far. You kind of, you know, took it being a little too sensitive. And, and I've been guilty of that, right? But, but here's the thing. Both types of offense, whether you deserve to be all angry and ruffled or whether you don't deserve to be all angry, either way, the results are the same. It shipwrecks your faith. It steals your peace. It steals your joy. It, it, it messes your life up. I've seen a lot of times on the news where maybe someone's out hunting or something and and they accidentally fire a shot and, and they hit something or someone that they didn't mean to hit, right? It was an accidental shooting. Well, it doesn't matter if it was accidental or on purpose at that point. The results are the same. Someone got shot, right? whether it was on purpose or, or not on purpose. And the results are the exact same. Damage has been done. And in our life, whether we're justified in our offense or unjustified, either way, damage has been done.
I can't rely on the other person to come beg and plead for my mercy and forgiveness. I'm going to have to choose in my heart. You know what? I'm just going to choose to let it go. Jesus, I'm putting it in your hands. Romans 12 tells us, really, that revenge is the Lord's anyway. When someone has done one of God's kids wrong, and it's not up to you to seek revenge. It's not up to you to seek the justice in the matter. It says revenge or vengeance is the Lord's. He says, I will pay them back. And so I don't want God to have to do that. But when God pays someone back, it's a whole lot more serious than when I do, right? And so I'm not rooting, go get him, Jesus. Woo, go get him. Come on, take him down, Lord. No, 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 no. I, I'm going to leave that in God's hands and pray that the situation's handled. But I'm not going to be laying awake at night thinking of how I could egg their house and brick their windows, okay? I'm going to let Jesus take revenge and vengeance into his hands. And so what's one of the big things that Jesus said? He said, in the end times before the end of the world, many, a lot, most people will be offended and will betray one another and end up hating one another. And so before I move on to the next thing, I've got to tell the the banana story. A lot of you guys know the banana story, the the monkey story. And so, in fact, Josh actually had, he showed me actual video footage of this one time. But anyway, there's a, I don't even remember what country it's in, but there's this remote tribe. I I believe it was in Africa, but I'm not sure. And uh, and so there's a delicacy to the locals, and the delicacy is monkey brains. They really like monkey brains. I mean, it's just, it's great. It's like, you know, it's just a a super cool thing that they like. And so uh, to catch the monkeys, it's hard to catch, you know, because they're so fast running up trees. So they set a trap for the monkey. And what they do is they set up a little cage that the bars are running uh, vertical like this, okay, up and down. And so they place a banana right in the middle. And the little monkey comes up, and he wants nothing more than a banana. And so he reaches his hand in this way, turns his hand, grabs the banana. Then the locals come, and it's, it's easy work at this point. They just start bopping his little head with a hammer, and they crack his brain open. And you're like, yeah, that sounds gross. But here's the thing, all right? The monkey wants that banana so bad, it means so much to him to hold on to it that he could escape at any moment if he would let go of it, remove his hand, and just run back up the tree. But here's the thing. He won't let go. And so the guys are just beating his brains out. Here's the deal for us. A lot of times we get a hold of something. In this case, let's call it offense. And you're holding on to it. And if you would just be able to let go and run about your business, you could survive. But here we are. We're holding on to it. And the enemy is just bashing you over the head. And you're you're miserable. You're full of anxiety and stress and depression and anger and bitterness, and you just won't let go. And the devil's having a heyday with you. I'm telling you, if we would just let go, we could run away. Amen? And then let the Lord handle it from there. And so maybe someone needs to hear that today. Yeah, but they really did me wrong. Maybe they did, but that doesn't matter. You're the one getting your brains beat out by the devil. Thank you for your holy silence this morning. I mean, praise God. We're hitting a nerve here. And so check it out. Jesus said, no doubt about it, in the end times, many will be offended. And so I'm, I am determined to not be an offended person. And people do offensive things, but I don't have to let that get a hold of me. I'm just going to say, you know what? 
forget it. I am focusing on Jesus. Amen. And so, number one, it is not the time to be offended. And then number two, here we go. Uh, you're here, so you breathe, breathe easy. It is not the time to neglect church. This is a big one. Well, yeah, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. Huh? Hebrews 10.25, let's go. Let's go over there for a minute. Hebrews 10.25, but if there was ever a time that I would want to be in the house of God, at the altar of God, bringing my children into the house of God, it's right now. And so I'm not saying it's not the time to neglect church because we need bigger crowds around here. No, we're doing great. But I am saying this because I see knuckleheads all over the country <laughs> and all over the world arguing about why they don't need to go to church. And I'm like, you need to go. Satan's about to beat, your, be, beat you up, dude. You need to be in the house of God. And so there's several scriptures that tell us what will be vital to our end time success. And attending church is one of those things that the Bible literally says you need to do this, especially as the end times are here. You especially need to go to church. So I was, I don't know, let's read this first and we'll move on. So Hebrews 10 and verse 25 in the NLT, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Uh, we all know some that do, right? But what do we do? We encourage one another. Why? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so if there's ever been an important time to gather together with the people of God, it is especially as the day of his return is drawing near. I want to read it in the Living Bible. That was the New Living Translation. The Living Bible says, let us not neglect our church meetings, as some people do, but encourage and what warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. Make no mistake about it. It is vital. And it is absolutely major for your success and your, your thriving and surviving in the end times that you come and be with the people of God and that you're at church. And again, I'm, I'm not saying it because I you know, need bigger crowds around here. I'm saying it because it's a dangerous time to be wandering off playing stupid games because you win stupid prizes. And so coming to church once a month, you know, that, that's cute, but that's not good enough anymore. And again, I'm, uh, and don't look at me like I'm being mean to you. You're here, all right? This, you're, you're doing good. You're doing real good. You guys are the regulars. You're doing awesome. But I'm talking about to people all over this nation and all over this world. It was a cute thing to once a month, twice a year, you know, go to church. That was cute and that was fun. We aren't in that time anymore. It is vital, as, as the scripture tells us right here, to not neglect meeting up together and going to church with other Christians. Reading your Bible once a week, that's really sweet. That's a cool thing to do, but that's not going to cut it in the end times. You need the bread of life every single day. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Not our, well, uh, we need our monthly bread. It's about that time again. Oh, man, we haven't ate since mid-February. It's time to eat again, don't you guys think? No, you're going to die that way. You need your daily bread. And Jesus referred to himself as being the bread of life. So once, uh, once a month going to church, that's, that's just really, that's not going to cut it anymore for you. 
uh, reading your Bible once a week, once a month, that's nice, but that's not good enough anymore. You need daily faith and, and, and praying when you're in the mood or when you really need something real bad. But, you know, maybe that used to get you through, but that's not the day and age that we live in anymore. We have got to be committed every day Christians, if we want to really succeed and, 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 and have God be able to bless us in all this. I say that this is a whole new chapter of life for all of us. And so, again, some people are like, oh, that crazy guy over there. You know, hey, they said it about Noah too, right? It wasn't so funny when it started raining, amen? And so I'm just trying to say that according to what we see in Scripture, there's some things coming up the pike that I would rather be uh, prepared for. I would rather uh, be doing what I'm supposed to be doing when things get real serious. And so you need a church right now, whether you're here or you're listening online, you need a church that isn't doing some cotton candy sermon about you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you, you know? Hey, I, I, and I like those kind of sermons. I, I feel good about that. I, I, I like to get, you know, those good feels. I, I that, That's all good, but... but Besides all that, you need a church, wherever you live, wherever that may be, that is telling you the truth from God's word and not lying to you and saying, hey, it's never going to happen. Nothing going on. You need to know the truth. You need to be prepared for what Jesus said was coming. Amen. And as I'll show you at the very end of this whole thing, as a committed born again Christian, it's exciting. There's good things coming for you. So it's nothing for us to be afraid of for us, but for the world around us, there's a lot going on that people need to know about. And so, you know, I saw somebody put this online, but to someone who says, I don't need church. I study the Bible for myself. Well, that's proof that you don't actually study the Bible for yourself right there. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> if you study the Bible that much, you would know that it says, hey, go to church, especially now that the end times are coming. Amen. And so I also heard somebody say, stop looking for the perfect church. Go worship a perfect God today with a congregation of flawed people who need grace just as much as you do. Amen. That's why I like going to church here. I'm weird. I've got issues. And so do you. Praise God. <laughs> but at least we know that we aren't perfect. And again, I've been saying all the time lately, man, don't ever tell me, oh, man, it's the perfect church. It's not perfect because I go here and you go here and we are very much not perfect. But the good news is, is that we don't pretend to be. We don't make any, we don't say that we're perfect. We say, I need the grace of God seven days a week. Thank you, Lord. His mercies are new every morning because I need new mercies every single morning. I don't, Amen. And so quit, and there's so many, quit looking for the perfect church. You've got the perfect God. Go to church with people that are just as flawed as you are and need God's grace every single day. Can I get an amen on that today? Praise God. And so Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark chapter 13, 2 Timothy 3, Luke 17, uh, and there's lots of other places that... In the end, it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. I'm like, how could that be? It's so obvious. Well, I would imagine if you're off, you know, doing your own thing, never showing up to God's house, never hearing the word of God like this, there's a lot of things that are your, that people are probably completely oblivious to. 
And to us, it's like so obvious. But to them, they don't, they don't, they don't see a thing. And I'm like, how in the world are you not seeing this right now? And I mean, I know that I speak in the position of being a pastor and whatnot, but even if I wasn't a pastor, if I worked at Jack in the Box, I would have myself and my family to church every time the doors are open. Right now, oh yeah. I mean, I'd be at the altar worshiping God. I'd be doing my tithe and I'd be praying. I'd be hugging everybody in here saying, hey, pretty soon we'll be in heaven with Jesus. It's going to be so great. I, you know, I mean, I'd be all over. And, and so I'm telling you, I'm not saying these things just because, well, it's easy for preacher boy to say, I'm saying this because I'm a Christian and it's vital and, and I just don't get it. I don't get it. And it's really frustrated me because, again, I just see, I know a lot of people all over the nation, all over the world, and I'm like, how is every church in America right now not just packed to capacity with extra chairs set up? How are there people that are born-again Christians they're seeing Europe getting attacked. They're seeing the king of the north invading other countries, and their closest friend is the country that hates Israel the absolute most. Iran and Russia, they're like BFFs, dude. They love each other. They've got each other's back, and nobody hates Israel more than Iran. Right? <laughs> I mean, they hate each other's guts. I was just watching the Olympics a few years back, and and I, an Iranian guy and, a, and an Israeli guy, they were set to meet each other in a judo match at the Olympics. The Iranian was like, you know what? I forfeit. I'm not even going to step foot in the same building as a Jew. I'm like, oh, they, he, he would rather, he hates them so much that he would rather just not even compete. And, and there's a lot of instances of this exact type of thing. They hate each other. And all the pieces are lining up. Okay, Russia, Iran, they're buddies. They've got each other's back. And Ezekiel 38 and Daniel 11 says, oh, yeah, they're going to team up and they are going to come at Israel with everything that they've got. It's all together. It's ready to happen right now. And yet we've got Christians out there picking their nose. <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, just just not paying, you know, they're, 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 there's red flags right in front of their face. Like, not pay, and I'm like, how in the world do you not see this? Well, Jesus used a phrase a lot, especially in the first few chapters of Revelation, but he kept saying, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Now, he's not talking about the flaps on the side of your head. I mean, we've all got, you know, you've got physical ears. He was talking about spiritually, like if you are spiritually awake right now, if you are spiritually listening, you need to hear this. And he wrote that to Christians and to churches. And, and, and so I keep hearing that phrase, and I'm like, oh, I get it. There are some people that I guess there would be a lukewarm Christian or I don't, I don't like to say things like maybe a fake. I don't know what, they're, what they would call themselves. But, but there are some people that they don't really have the ears to hear that Jesus was talking about. And so there's all the noise that, hey, the Bible's saying this, and, and all the red flags, and, and we're all like, how do you not hear it? How do you not see it? Well, Jesus said to him that has an ear to hear, let him hear. But there's a lot of people that it doesn't matter what happens. They are not going to listen and pay attention, and there will be a lot of people caught off guard. I mean, imagine that. You're working at, at Fort Irwin or, you know, whatever it is you do out there in your position. Imagine you're working, and all of a sudden you're gone. And the guy beside you, he's like, 
he he got left behind. What, 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 wait, where did he go? Or, or you know, or, or, or you're down at the factory, you know, talking about two women working in the mill, and, and you're down there, and all of a sudden, whoa, like the person, the girl right next to you, she's just all of a sudden gone. What, what happened? Where? And, and I mean, check it out. You think it's crazy right now? You realize once all of the holy people are gone, once all of the Christians are gone, do you realize how crazy it's going to be? It's going to sound like that children's room up there right now. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but they need to get those kids some cookies, right? <laughs> so, but, but really, if you think it's like, man, this is getting nutty down here, check it out. We, you people, you Christians, when you're out of here, oh my gosh, it's going to be hell on earth for seven years of tribulation. And so the Thessalonians tells us that there's a man named the Antichrist that will come onto the scene. And now the whole world is going to be in turmoil and like there, uh, all these people are gone and, and, and everyone, the whole world's blowing up. And there will be a man appear on the scene and be like, it's okay, I've got answers. And he's going to seem like a kind man, like a peaceful man, like he's going to help everybody. And everybody will just be like, okay, let's listen to him. Let's pledge our allegiance to him. And he'll seem like a really good guy for a few years. And then his true colors will show. Well, why isn't that man uh, known right now? Well, he's probably alive and moving to a position of power. But check it out. Why isn't he alive right now or, or, or known right now? Why hasn't he been revealed? Well, Thessalonians says that he can only be revealed when that which is restraining him is removed. What's restraining him? The Christians. You are. Right? If you study your Bible, you'd be able to call it right away. You'd be able to say, whoa, whoa, no, that's the Antichrist. Don't listen to him. But when all of us are gone, no one's going to stop him. Right? No one's going to stop him. And he can do what he wants to do. And you will be in heaven on the streets of gold. And it's going to be real bad down here. But it's vital that we listen to what the scripture is saying right now. If he says, hey, man, don't go around being offended. Hey, you need to be in church and don't forsake your church meetings like a lot of people are doing. You really, really, really got to be together with God's people at church right now. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to listen to everything that the scripture is saying. And as much as I enjoy watching online, if I'm not here, I'm watching online. You know, if, if, if there's receiving some healing or something, I'm watching online. But I can't help but notice that it says that we are to meet together. Right, we are uh, to. Uh, in fact, the King James says, "Assemble together." Matthew eighteen. People love to quote it, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. What's the key word there? Gathered together in His name. I love internet church, and it's a blessing that we live stream now. We never did that before. It's cool, but it does not make up for not going to church, right? And I'm glad we reach lots of people, hundreds of people. It's wonderful. But at the same time, the scripture really does tell us that we need to gather together and be together in church. And so he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. It's getting real out there, people, right? <laughs> it's getting real. And we need to start taking our faith seriously. And there's no way in the world that I want to be in here one day and, and, and all you guys leave and I'm standing here with a microphone like, oh, man, uh, <laughs> I got left behind and they all went. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going out, buddy, on the first train that's leaving this place. Amen. And so 
Amen. People argue about, you know, when the rapture will take place. Is it going to be pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation? Like, you know what? Argue about that all. I believe in the pre-tribulation. I believe I've got scriptural proof for it. But at the same time, argue about that all day long. If you want to stick around and find out what happens, by all means, go for it. I don't want to stick around because it looks crazy scary. I want to go to heaven as soon as Jesus shows up. I'm like, I got my ticket for the first load. Get me out of here. I don't want to stick around. So praise God. Let's go to number three today. Hallelujah. Shout me out. Amen. The Lord is good. All right. So we're talking about not the time to be offended. It is not the time to neglect church. And it is not the time to give up. Don't give up. Cling to Jesus. Because I know this much that even in regular times, life can be pretty hard. Have you noticed that? Even without all the crazy in the world, just live at life. There's challenges. Just, you know, just, just, just holding your job down can be challenging. Just keeping your family together can be challenging at times. But it would get a whole lot harder when, you know, when, when things really get rolling down here, all right? And so you may feel discouragement right now. You may be facing difficulty in some area right now, but don't give up. God's grace is enough to see you through this situation. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians talked about, I have a thorn in my flesh. And really, you've studied out, I believe it was a a man, uh, I believe it was Alexander the coppersmith wrote about in, in 2 Timothy. But anyway, he said, there is a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan that has been sent to drive me crazy. And then the Lord shows up and appears to him and says, my grace is sufficient. And he's like, I begged God, take this, take this out of my life. And God said, my grace is all you need. <laughs> It'll get you through everything you're facing down here right now. My grace is enough. And so maybe, hey, you've got some difficult people. Anybody, you got some local people that you work with, some, maybe you live with them, I don't know. You got some people that are a thorn in the flesh. Don't give up. His grace is sufficient. And, and, and we know this much, that you always triumph in Christ Jesus, right? And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We know this. Don't give up. And on top of it all, we need you. Man, I'm, I'm insignificant. I don't even matter around there. And, and no, we need you. The family of God, we need you right now. We need every person in God's army. We need every individual in God's family together right now more than we've ever been together before. You are needed. You are wanted. You are Loved. That's why I try to make sure you get a hug every week, all right? If you don't get one, it's your fault. There's plenty of hugs to go around, but check it out. Don't give up. We need you. And you have to learn to look at everything in your life through the light of eternity. Eternity is very long. It never ends. One billion years from now, those that are in heaven, they're still going to be in heaven. Those that are in hell, they're still going to be in hell. Eternity is forever. 
the absolute worst problem that I face in this world, even if I had a thorn in the flesh for the next 50 years, that pales in comparison to eternity. And when we really look at, wow, am I really willing to give up? Right now, am I really willing to tap out and and give in right now uh, over this when I've got all of eternity in heaven at stake right here? No, Uh, no, 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 no way. Uh, Heaven is real, and I'm not giving up on this thing. I heard Andrew Womack tell a story about this lady he was talking to, and she was all crying and sad, and, and, and really she was about to kill herself. And he's like, what is going on? And she's like, you know, my fourth husband just left me, and, and I can't take it. And, and, you know, and he's like, man, this, you know, that sucks. Are, 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 are you born again? Do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you at least know that you're going to heaven? And she's like, no, I, I don't have Jesus in my heart. And he's like, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me get this straight. By your own admission, <laughs> you don't have Jesus in your heart. By your own admission, if you died today, you would go to hell. She's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I'm, I'm not... I'm not, a, I'm not saved. I know that. And she's straight up saying it. He's like, so you mean to tell me that you know, by your own admission, you would go to hell for the next billion years, and yet you're all tripped up, and you want me to pray about your marriage. We're not making light of your marriage. Oh, that's important. But you, you're, you're so upset about this when you know right now that you are not even going to go to heaven. I, that, uh, that's mind-blowing. Why don't we pray about your salvation right now? And what does that tell me? So many people, even with, that's a serious problem. I'm not making light of that. I get that. But so many people, they, they, they don't even realize how big of a thing eternity is. And they're all tripping up over the things down here. Look at every situation in your life through the light of eternity and realize that at best, man, you maybe live 100 years down here, maybe a little bit more. In heaven, 100 years is like two seconds, right? And so we've got to know this, that heaven is eternal. Don't give up. A few more verses here. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. Can we do that? Matthew 24 and verse 13. It's where we started today. But I'm telling you, don't give up. Heaven's real. We're going there. If you're saved, if you've received Jesus, Matthew 24 and verse 13. And so all the things that we see taking place, I'm just, I can't help but be excited realizing, man, I'm going to be in heaven someday, probably really soon. This is really, really good news. Matthew 24, verse 13, what did Jesus say? He said, hey, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one that gives up halfway in the middle They'll be, no, it, it doesn't say that. The one that just, I mean, they stick with it for a long time, then they just give up. It doesn't say that. It says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Who in here, you're going to endure to the end. You're not letting go of Jesus no matter what comes your way. You are enduring and you are holding on no matter how hard it gets. He who endures to the end will be saved. How about Revelation 12, verse 11? A lot of people know this verse. Man, this is fire right here. You got to know Revelation 12 and verse 11. I love it. Revelation 12 and verse 11. And this is a pretty wild chapter here, but but check this out right in the middle. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. 
oh, what a powerful verse for you to know. You need to hold on to this. Revelation 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him. Who is it talking about? The dragon, the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Amen? They overcame him. It doesn't say, well, all the Christians, they fought a good fight, but they eventually lost. <laughs> sad to say we're sad to say that they, they, they did put up a good effort, but the enemy ended up winning and the devil killed all the Christians. No, it doesn't say that. It says they overcame him. By what? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And the King James here says, and they did not love their lives to the death. And the NLT puts it this way. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. These people, they didn't love their life so much that they were afraid to die. They're like, I'm fine with that. Hey, I'll just go to heaven. But they weren't clinging to this life. They were clinging to the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they overcame. And that's good news for you. That's good news for me that I just got to stick with Jesus. And I've got one final thing I want to show you today in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 2. Who's glad that you came to church today? Amen? I'm trying my best to get people's attention right now. And, and again, I certainly don't claim to know it all or get it all or understand it all. You know, I'm not a very smart man, but I do know this much, that <laughs> it's getting real. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 2. Thank God I learned how to read, and I can read the Bible. <laughs> Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 2. And so here's the deal, Christians, that as the world gets crazier and crazier at the end, the Scripture here tells us that for the world, it says darkness is going to get worse and worse for this world. But for the people of God, it's going to get brighter and brighter and, 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 you know, I believe better and better because we're going to see the glory of God. And so as, as all the things I'm talking about, I'm not a doomsday preacher. I'm not a doom and gloom and, and scare you into being good, boys and girls. But I do know this much here that for the people of God, this could be a very exciting time to realize that, man, it's almost over. Uh, you know, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And I want to say that when I stand before Jesus. I know I wasn't perfect, but I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I have kept the faith. And there will be a time, everybody, hear me now. Everybody ever born has to face Jesus someday. The scripture tells us that those that rejected him or those that were fakes and weren't <laughs> genuine about it, they stand before him at a place called the great white throne of judgment. And that's where every person that wasn't real with Jesus, if you're at that great white throne, that means, hey, it's too late. You're going, you're, you're going down. And then every Christian, they'll stand before Jesus at this place called the judgment seat of Christ. If you're there, he's going to review your life with you. He's going he's gonna to look back at things, and, and, and it, man, he's going to say, man, you committed to work in that church nursery, and you loved those babies. You were one of the first people to read them Bible stories. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Or every day down there at BNSF, man, you were the light of the world in a dark place. You kept the faith. Well done. 
and he's going to review your life. We'll be judged for our deeds in this earth, whether good or bad. But if you're at this judgment seat of Christ, praise God, you're going to heaven. And if you lived a good life for Jesus, there's rewards for you. And, and you're like, well, why would I want that? It's not about you. It says there's crowns. In fact, uh, the apostle Paul talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that there was the crown of righteousness that would be handed to those that serve the Lord. And what do you do when you have these crowns, when you have these awards and, and these, I don't know, jewels and necklaces, this whatever it is. I don't know. I haven't been there. But check it out. There's a day when all of us get together at the throne of God. And nation upon nation, people upon people, we all bow down and worship the Lamb. And those that, that did what they were told to do here, they've got these awards. And we don't show up to the party empty-handed. We say, Jesus, I want to lay these at your feet. I want to give these to you. I want to worship you. I love you so much, Jesus. And there gets to be a point in time right now, all I've got is my faith at this point. I don't, I've never seen Jesus, never heard his voice. I mean, I've seen the works of his hands. I've seen how he healed me of cancer. I've seen how he, you know, uh, restored my legs when I was crippled and couldn't walk. I, I've seen him heal all you people in here. I've seen him bring your marriages together. I've seen the work of his hands, but I've, I haven't seen him yet with my eyes. But there's a day coming when I'm going to look straight into the eyes of Jesus Christ. And he's going to, oh, my God, we're going to go over all the things. He's going to replay my life. He's going to, we're going to reminisce. We're going to look back and he's going to say, you remember that time? And, oh, you remember this? And, and I'm going to say, oh, Jesus, I remember it. And I remember that you were right there and you didn't let me go. And Jesus, you brought me through it. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. Amen. We're going to, we're going to be together. Finally, I'll get to see him someday and look into his eyes and hold his hands and hug his neck and thank him for never leaving me, for never forsaking me. That day's coming. Everybody's going to face their maker someday. My God, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to walk away right now. I don't want to give up. Even when it gets really hard, I want to stick with Jesus because I don't want to miss out on this day of finally seeing him face to face. And so Isaiah talked about a restoration. And Isaiah said in Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 2, he said, arise, shine. He didn't say go to sleep, turn the lights off. He said, no, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Amen. Check out verse two for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness. The people that's where we're at right now. Darkness, a cloud of darkness, a cloud of heaviness is covering the earth and it's all over the people. They don't know what to do. I remember when I was in Russia, when I was 15, I spent like a month in St. Petersburg, Russia, trying to preach on the streets. It was crazy. I have never felt such depression in my life. I remember every day we'd go down the escalator into the subway. And this wasn't like you went down. A, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, but, but you went down a really long way. And these escalators in St. Petersburg, they're moving like super fast. You've got to hop on and go. And me and my I was teenage teenagers with us, we had a group of about 100 teenagers. And there were some adults. That was really good. But uh, every day we had a little, we had a sound system. We had a, a, a chest with a speaker in it and some microphones. And it weighed like 100 pounds. And we would carry it through the streets of St. Petersburg, Russia. And we would get on the subways. We'd hook it up. 
we'd preach to people, and we had, you know, interpreters, and, and, and people were so depressed. Nobody could look each other in the eye because you had no idea if he was working for the government and he was going to sell you out. Everybody, everywhere, no smiles anywhere, pure, constant depression. And that was in the year 2000, like during the good times and everything. And, and, and it was just, it was awful. And it got on me and I wrote home to mom and dad. And I'm like, I, it's awful over here. I can't describe the feeling of it. And so there is a darkness that us, we've got it good. You may think that it's so bad over here and you're so neglected and mistreated in America, but you don't know nothing. And so here we've got it, and, 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 and it says that this deep darkness would cover the people. If you've never seen that, it's real, where there's just doom and gloom and depression and no smiles, and everybody feels the darkness. And it said it's going to cover the people, but what about God's people? It says, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And so for us... For you, it doesn't have to get darker and darker and worse and worse and and badder and badder. For you, the glory of the Lord can shine all over you. And where you walk down the dark street, people are like, whoa, this guy's got answers. There's something different. I better go talk to this guy. The glory of the Lord, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, that you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. And so Revelation, I'm almost done. Revelation talks about it's... Heaven is so bright. It's, it's blinding bright to the human eye. And why is that? Where does all this light come from? Well, the scripture tells us it comes straight from Jesus himself. He is so bright with the glory of God that it lights up all of heaven. When you're that close to Jesus, it is going to light you up. In a dark world, Light shines brightest in the darkest, in the darkness. It's going to get darker and darker, but for the people of God, it can get brighter and brighter for you. And people can look to you and say, man, what I, I don't know you, but I can tell that you've got some answers. And I've, I've had people do that to me before. Like, and I, I don't know what it is about you. And it, that can happen to us if we're living for Jesus and sticking close to him. And so what am I saying right now? I'm bringing it in for this. It's not the time. It is not the time to do business as usual and and just think that, hey, it's all right. I'm going to be okay. And, and, you know, whatever. I, I No, it's not the time for that. It's time to get serious about your faith, to quit playing games. It's time to give it all to Jesus. And I'm not, again, I'm not stupid enough to say he's coming back next Friday at 4 p.m. No, I wouldn't say something dumb like that. I don't know the day. No one knows the day or the hour. But he said you could know the season. And I do believe that it is that season. Just like we're seeing the leaves turning green outside. It's springtime in the desert. It's beautiful. We would know the season. And so I'm just saying this right now that it is the season. Whether that's next week, whether that's next year, whether it's 10 years from now, I have no idea. But I don't think it's that much longer. We've got to get serious right now about Jesus. And you better bet I'm going to be in God's house every chance I get around the people of God, encouraging and warning each other. Amen. Can I get an amen today?
All right, let's stand up together. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. If I could have my prayer team come up together today. First of all, hey, if you're here and you are not certain and convinced in your heart that you have things right with Jesus, I wouldn't risk it for one more minute. Again, I'm not a doom and gloom guy or a scary into being a good boy and girl, but I am saying this. I, I do believe the Bible. I've seen too much of it proved to be true to start doubting it now. If you're here and you don't have things right with the Lord and, and maybe you never have given your life to Jesus or maybe you did one time and you kind of walked away from it, hey, we're not here judging you. We're not here, you know, throwing rocks at you. We're here saying, hey, you know what? Forget that. Let's just take care of it right now. We can fix it now. I encourage you. I plead with you. Come up and let us pray with you and we will get a restoration in your relationship with Jesus today. And you can know you're going to heaven. You don't have to be afraid. But if you're here and you need prayer for anything else, you got family troubles, you got money troubles, you got health troubles, we believe that Jesus is the answer. We want to pray with you. Amen. So if you need prayer, please come on up. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the my hope and firm foundation will never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the my hope and firm foundation. Son to the setting, same I will praise your name. How great is your faithfulness to me. How great is your faithfulness to me. Great. Right. 
rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name How great is your faithfulness to me I put my faith in Jesus my anchor to Hope and firm foundation, he'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation, he'll never. Hope and firm foundation 
Jesus, I'm anchored to the ground, my hope and firm foundation will never let me down. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and start closing things out here today. But I pray that everybody received the word of God. And I know the Lord's trying to get our attention right now. So it's super important that we're listening. And and again, I applaud you for taking your faith seriously and for uh, making time for Jesus. But the things that we talked about today, you know, well, let's, let's guard ourselves and, and make sure that we're as close to him as we can possibly be. Amen. All right. Well, I would want to remind you quickly that there is uh, the parenting class today. Um, from at four, 4 to 5 p.m. So if you're part of parenting class, come on out. Uh, I recommend getting here a few minutes early for child care, getting the kids dropped off and stuff. But take advantage of that. We're really trying to help people to, to do things God's way here. Amen. And then there's service at 6 o'clock tonight. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fire. You don't want to miss out. Be back here at 6 o'clock tonight. Amen. All right. Can we raise our hands and pray together today? And also, as I close, I want to remind you, there's no softball practice, according to Robert. So talk to him if you've got questions, all right? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God today. And we thank you that just like you said in Matthew 24, 13, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And so, Jesus, we are not letting go of you, and we know that you are not letting go of us. You said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. And so we cling to that. And, Lord, we are ready for when that trumpet sounds and you come and take us all home to heaven to our real home. Thank you, Jesus, that it's coming and we're ready. And we ask that you would use us, Lord, this week. Use us at our job, at our school, at our home to be the light of the world and bring your hope to those around us, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? All right. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to speak some words of faith over our city of Barstow. And we say this place is blessed. Amen. And Jesus is coming soon. Let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love joy and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus name. Amen. We'll see you tonight.